This is the Influence Leadership Podcast, episode 43. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, where our heart is to develop leaders like you and help you increase your individual influence and your leadership skill set. I'm Brett Duncan, and I am here with Chris Fuller. Hello, Chris. How are you today? Man, I'm Brett, I'm doing great. It's a uh, warm, sunny day in Texas, and I'm not on the road yet, so it's a great day. That's awesome. Yeah, you've, uh, as always, you, uh, you're really burning up the air miles out there and getting out and visiting with clients. And uh, I know that's something we're going to talk about today, an interesting topic that, that in our brief discussions, you were saying, hey, this has come up you know, with clients lately and an interest in it. And it's something that I think every leader, if you were to ask them, hey, is this an important topic? They would all say, yes, yes, this is important. And yet, if you were to ask them, how much time do you spend thinking about it or doing something with it or you know, taking deliberate action in this area, uh, I think you'd probably hear crickets more times than not. Would you agree? I, I would. And, and I would say that some people, instead of using this as a methodology of effectiveness or a, uh, you know, a maximization of organization, I, I think that some people see it as a, you know, as, as more of a compliance conversation yeah. rather than an effectiveness conversation. Good point. And what we are talking about is diversity and how leaders not only need to be thinking about diversity, but how they need to leverage diversity and, and appreciate diversity and see it as a strategic advantage. Um, and so, Chris, we're kind of going to dive into this. I know you've been you've got some some topics that sometimes come up in your keynotes and things like that. So we want to cover ground here. It'll probably take us two episodes. But let's just start with kind of the big question. And that is um, why do leaders need to be thinking more deliberately and more often about diversity? So, you know, I, I do feel like there's this angst in society right now around, you know, diversity and, and what's going to happen. And, and, you know, are we at, at a precipice where society will revert back to a, a less diverse time? And and I don't really see it that way. I mean, I don't really have that um, that fear base, um, but I certainly can understand it and empathize with it. And one of the pieces that uh, that I've been asked to to go into an organization and talk about diversity is is essentially around this. We need to get more done with less. We need to get more done with with the teams that we have, but we're mandated under these diversity um, aspects. And so can you come in and and talk to us about, you know, um, what does diversity mean and how do we embrace it and what can it really look like? And and for me, the precipice, the, the, the start of the conversation came from years ago when I was with an organization and this organization asked me um, to come in and talk about teamwork, and I was a little bit confused um, because they seem like a high-performing team. And in the midst of the conversation, I said, well, tell me what's amazing about you guys. And they said, look around the room. We are the picture of EEOC. We, we, are, um, we are the most diverse executive team that you'll ever see. And I'm like, wow, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, why do you guys need me? And they said, well, we're struggling with liking each other. <laughs> and so in the midst of that conversation, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Isn't the, isn't the, 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 the principal foundational fundamental belief in, in the diversity and inclusion argument that we need to get past the externalities to be able to hear the internals. Mm. And what you guys are saying is you're embracing the externals and you're um, 
you're, you're refusing or refuting the internal opinions. Yeah. It's as though they were motivated to be diverse just so everyone could see that they were diverse, but there, there wasn't like a strategic advantage beyond that. Right. You know, and this is where teaming comes in. So we're talking about we've checked all the boxes of diversity, but diversity isn't working. Mm. And, and the, the piece about the organizational cultural effectiveness is at times we need to have this broad based perspective of uh, different approaches to business. And I think that the key contribution to diversity is that multiple lens factor that that collaboration on perspective and different experiences and what they bring to the table yields different insights and different insights can can be leveraged to enhance customer experience. So all of these things are are ripe for our harvest of the effectiveness. But the, the piece is I believe that we'd get so caught up in the compliance factor that we lose the genius of what diversity and inclusion um, can do for us and what it was meant to do for us prior to any potential legislative possibilities. Yeah, I, something interesting you said there, and I want to paraphrase it because it's the, the point here isn't, you know, to have diverse people, although that's going to happen. You can't help but for that to happen. But it's the perspectives, it's diverse perspectives, which come from those diverse people, right? It is. And, and there are multiple. Um, uh, so I'm going to I'm about to let me do a disclaimer warning uh, yeah. warning. There's about to be an inflammatory word used. Uh-huh. Um, and so um, what happens is that when whenever you're subject to someone else's bias or you're dismissed because of prejudice, um, that is is so demeaning and hurtful and dehumanizing that. That ultimately, you know, or uh, the government felt, you know, compelled to step in and 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 right some wrongs around social causes, and rightfully so. Uh, but but the bias and the prejudice extends far beyond what legislation can deal with. And so when we talk about the the stereotypes, the biases, the prejudice, all we're talking about is you see something and you are willing to dismiss it without knowing and learning and going deeper into one of those pieces. And, and that's the real travesty is um, that that how do we look at someone's ideas? You may, Brett, you and I may have worked together for 10 years and I may have some biases towards my belief around you. I may prejudge your today based on the history of yesterday. Mm. And I'm not giving you a fair shake because, you know, well, uh, you know, Brett's tendencies are such and such or Brett's tendencies are so and so. And and oh, yeah, well, that's just Brett. That's just as much prejudice and bias, you know, as anything else. And we may do it with each other based on the history of tenure together in the organization instead of any external issues that we may face. Yeah. And so it's you know, there's obviously an element of that, you know, that that clearly, hey, for for moral reasons and and social reasons, hey, we need to get beyond that. And, you know, that, that's not necessarily what this podcast is about, but it's that other side of this is what are you sacrificing or what are you, you know, just completely not taking advantage of? And even that's the, probably the wrong phrase, but what are you missing out on when as a leader, you are letting those biases uh, stand in the way of, you know, making different and what we're going to say are better decisions. I mean, how does that play out for a leader and how do they overcome that? So the narrower the scope is the problem. As we start to narrow our scope and narrow ourselves, it can it can lead us to a place of maybe laser-like focus. But when laser-like focus 
starts to discount the opinions of others, then essentially that discount dismissiveness can control our ultimate um, our ultimate lens towards the situation. And when we fail to start or when we fail to listen to our team, when we stop listening to our team is really when we can, as leaders, open ourselves up for a major hit. And so some of this comes into, um, to me, Brett, the culture that we build. Um, do you have a culture of inclusive uh, inclusion? Uh, and that inclusive culture really comes into this concept of are we able to share thoughts and ideas openly and broadly without this fear of retribution or this fear, again, of dismissal? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's an organizational cultural piece. Um, you know, I've been in organizations where um, the the two individuals in this conversation were um, very similar in profile. Both of them were uh, just from a profile standpoint, both of them were male. Both of them were Caucasian, and yet they were arguing and dismissing from a generational standpoint. Mm. So the the young leader that was coming in that was taking over was sort of dismissed by the old hand that had been there for 30 years that essentially said, you know, I have safety boots older than you. (laughs) Why don't you hang around for five to 10 years and I'll learn your name? (laughs) Wow. I think there's some biases there. I'm picking up on that. So again, you know, it's like, you know, you're about the age of my grandson. Why would I let my grandson tell me what to do? I've done it for 30 years. And so the bias was experience based. The bias was age based from a from a um, younger age base, whereas, you know, we we kind of get concerned about age discrimination as an aging workforce rather mm-hmm. than a, um, you know, a millennial workforce. But there's still biases going in every direction, regardless of what's happening. And there's a lot of biases that that we can deal with. And there's some that we can't deal with. And so the fear based is, you know, what do we do about it? Will people, good people be discriminated against? But the value that I wanted to bring in having this conversation today is there's such a genius that organizations will miss if they don't open up, include that circle, widen that stance and, and really uh, become aware of the genius of the multifacets instead of just the you know, the limitations of the singularity of focus. Mm, yeah. So let's let's keep going on that. So you, you speak of this genius and I heard you also using the word perspective and lens. Uh, you know, take that a little bit further first, Chris. How do people need to be looking at the genius of diversity? And, and again, as a leader, you know, we've been talking about biases, but we all have biases. I mean, it, we don't even have to, you know, create those. They just kind of happen. So how do we overcome that? How do we become aware of that? And then how do we move on in a healthy and productive way from that? Yeah. So biases are, are a fact. Um, we've talked about that before, I think, in, in lens theory. And, mm-hmm. and within that lens theory, we're all going to um, have a genetic disposition um, that may affect our biases. We have a familial, a our family of origin. Um, and then you have an organizational cultural um bias. And so really the, the piece is to, number one, first is identify your potential biases. And you're going to say, well, wait a minute, how do I identify my own biases? If I'm biased, will I know that I'm biased? And that becomes that piece of that self-awareness, that emotional intelligence that says, am I aware where I am prejudging the situation? And or can I, can I set it up in a way where somebody says, I want to challenge um, your bias? Like, for instance, I mean, it was just interesting. I was on a call today and 
And the one of the guys that was on the call was referring to a couple of the other leaders that was on the call. And they were female, but he kept referring to them as ladies. All right, ladies, well, talk to me about that. And so he was interviewing them. But it was kind of an interesting piece. Instead of referring to them as leaders, um, he kept referring to them as gender piece. And that really kind of pricked my conscience about um, is it really was that a southern term of deference, a southern term of respect or or could others since they were, um, you know, they were they were from the northeast coast. Could they see that as a uh, as an offensive term? where somebody doesn't even mean that. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to derail into that particular piece, but that was just kind of an interesting piece of, if you're not even aware of your biases, you're going to have to have someone that you allow to say, um, is there a bias in this? Or I believe that that this may be an unintended bias. And how do we open that up a little bit more um, to that perspective? So how do we do it? Well, one of the things in the meetings that I like to do is just open up a Q&A time. So if we have a discuss, debate, decide time within the meeting, then we allow for the inclusion of thought by challenging everyone to think differently and to offer um, counter ideas to be able to stretch. So we may do something within a meeting that says, "Okay, guys, let's do a little counter punching. Let's do a little devil's advocate. And let's talk about other things that we're missing. What are we not seeing and what do we need to include so that we can wrap our minds around a complete perspective instead of instead of a linear or narrow based perspective? Hmm. Wow. And so, you know, you you talking about the unintended bias, I think, is is an interesting one, because, again, we all have that. It conjured up a a memory for me. I can't remember if we've talked about this or not, but when I was leading a team several years ago as VP of the department, and we had hired a couple new people, uh, promoted within, I believe, on it. And I got a call one day from HR saying someone had reported a concern about gender bias, and it rocked my world. I was like, oh my gosh, I, am I really guilty of that? I mean, you know, and I was very open to it. You know, they their first question was, you know, do you... Uh, do you think you did this? I was like, well, I don't think I did, but if I'm biased, I wouldn't know. Right. <laughs> and so, exactly. yeah. And so anyway, long story short, you know, it was one of those things of, you know, and HR was great working with me on that. And they were saying, Hey, you know, you, you obviously the people you hired are qualified, the person who is complaining, who they didn't reveal, they said, doesn't appear to be qualified. So it's all, all good and everything. But it, it brings me, that's a long story to lead to this question. How much as a leader, do we have to be concerned about the perception of, of our team or even those maybe not on our team, but around us, even if we feel like our intentions are, are right and good and our biases are in check, uh, how much and what can we do about that? How often should we be thinking about that in terms of thinking about our biases? You know, it's kind of an interesting piece as a leader. Um, unfortunately, we are in glass houses and yeah. everything we do is scrutinized by the rest of the organization. So it it has to be a constant play where we're saying, you know, not only what is the what's the truth of the scenario, but what's the optics and the narrative that are going to be told around this scenario. And I love what you're saying, Brett. This is one of those solutions that we've come into is essentially if we don't have clear, delineated skill based um, criteria for promotions. We are open to um, to being subject to a, a diversity piece. Um, and again, that's the you know that's the 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 litigious aspect. That's that's the legal aspect of that. 
And, and, but just as much or more so, I, I love the fact that you were challenged on why did you see this candidate as um, better or worse than another candidate? Why did you see this one as promotable now versus not promotable now? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we've encouraged people to, um, to do is if we, we were doing this in the evaluation of um, the right sizing of a structure recently where we took everybody's name off of the org chart and we simply list their accomplishments. And then based on those accomplishments, we made decisions. So there was a way that we were able to strip away um, some of the prejudice, bias, and, uh, and, and really lens by removing the person's name, um, by removing any you know, descriptors around them so that we could get to the actual um, fundamentals of that, that person and that person's behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's really, you know, thinking about this and kind of the leadership journey and and kind of what level of leadership you are, this is really a more mature uh, mindset, right, as a leader. And so we might be, you know, there are young leaders listening to us now. There are leaders who have maybe been in place for a long time. And I say in place, they have been leaders regardless of their position for a long time. Um, But it's still something that from a, a maturing standpoint, kind of we always... I guess what I'm saying is it's always something new, right? We always have to think fresh about this because, again, a bias is a bias. A perspective is a perspective. And if it goes unchecked, nothing new is going to happen with that. So so what do we do as mature leaders? Uh, What are some practical things we can put in place to just ask ourselves and be aware of where our perspectives are maybe falling a little short or holding us back? Yeah, and I don't want to lose sight of, of, of the fact that organizational biases occur um, outside of EEOC. For mm. instance, sales always has a bias towards accounting mm. um, and sales <laughs> always has a bias towards CRMs or mm-hmm. sales has, a, you know, um, accounting has a bias back against sales of, well, I don't understand why you can't fill in your uh, expense reports, right? Or, I mean, so when you start talking about stereotypical behaviors, it can be as much personality or functional based as it is, um, you know, as it is the intangibles or the, you know, the 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 um, genetical aspect of, of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that we're not we're not just narrowly into the, you know, the gender bias or any biases around that, but just the full understanding as organizations that all of us have biases and how do we work to refute those biases as much as possible and say, you know what? Um, and some of that is just standing up and being that voice. Well, you know, as much as as we believe in this way to make those holistic, you know, large swath assumptions about a person or a situation, you know, let's back up and look at it more um, more uniquely and give this person a fair shake uniquely as opposed to anything else. And and so, you know, within the the team, number one, always examining the bias, always challenging each other on the bias, not not so that it becomes an excuse for a lack of performance. You know, one of the challenges that I've had from a leader around this topic is um, I don't want to promote based upon, um, you know, what what our organizational team makeup looks like. I want to promote the best candidate. Mm-hmm. And our challenge back was how, if you don't understand your biases, how will you know you're actually bringing in the best candidate? Yeah. Yeah. Or how do you measure what best, quote unquote, is, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I think that that becomes a broad based um, partnership, a coalition, if you will, as you're building and structuring out your team to, to, number one, have the permission 
always have that permission, always have that open door policy within HR to be able to vet it out. But at the end of the day, most executives are looking for performance and we just have to make sure that irrespective of any prejudice or bias, we're looking at top performers and what that top performance means as opposed to um, we're trying to check a box and, and we're going to put, you know, an, an underperforming person in a role that equal opportunity, you know, talent, opportunity, accountability, really, to me, it should be colorless. It should be genderless. It should be, um, you know, ageless and all of these pieces. And so when we're looking for those pieces within our teams, let's just strip it away and again, have the accountability around this diversity piece, but we're looking for putting the best team together and that team means inclusive thinking, openness and challenging, which isn't always pleasant for us as leaders, but certainly enhances the decision-making um, of the team and, and into that again, broad-based perspective. Yeah, as you're talking about it, it almost, the real issue almost seems like it comes down to an appreciation for uh, those diverse perspectives or that, you know, as you said, those challenging uh, scenarios and that challenging culture in a healthy way. Right. So a lot of times we don't appreciate that. We, we actually like the idea of, Hey, everyone's a certain way. Everyone thinks a certain way. And we're not thinking in terms necessarily of the external factors. We're just thinking of, Hey, this is how people are and it's smooth and I don't have to rethink things or any of that. But that means there's a lack of appreciation of really fresh thinking, right? Yeah, and I love that you use the word appreciate because appreciate means an increase in value. And sometimes mm -hmm. things are hard for me to elevate. Um, you have a skill set that I don't really value. And so I diminish that instead of appreciate it. And so there are times where you have to, to mentally go to a place where you say, you know what, that's a really unique perspective. I think it adds value. I know it adds value somewhere. You know, let's focus on this particular piece to bring uh, to bring different strengths into different places. And I think that that strength based leadership, if you have that awareness and that understanding of not only um, tell me how you're lensing this, tell me what this feels like and looks like. Um, so, again, I can make sure that the team is having the right thoughts around this. I need to ferret out my biases, but I also need to ferret out the bias of the organization. Mm. And so as we're looking at those biases back, um, the elevation or the appreciation of this diversity piece is important in the sense that, again, regardless of what we're promoting, the, the key piece for me, the mountaintop for me on this is we are promoting the inclusiveness of thought, the diversity of thought and perspective for the betterment of the organization and and where we're going with the decision, serving the customer, moving the needle forward. Mm. You know, we haven't mentioned your your word of the year for a few episodes, but it's, <laughs> it, it's maturity. Right. And what we're talking about is, again, a mature topic. It is, an, you know, a, a leader as, as he or she matures. This is something you must become more aware of. And kind of going back to that team that you gave the example of at the beginning, who externally uh, they had done everything they had to to be diverse. And at the same time, they were really struggling with making that work. So kind of looking at, at what we've been talking about today, uh, what would you tell that team right now specifically on how they get over that hump? What are some some practical steps that they could take? 
So one of the pieces that we did was we went again back to our uh, our right path assessments and we started working out of that right path assessment to be able to say, um, let's let's strip away all externalities and let's simply look at their personality and their approach and their contributions. So immediately, again, stripping away the externalities, stripping away any pieces that might be prejudicial and getting into just analyzing the contribution. So as I looked at that team, went with that team, it was about getting to understand the approach of the person and personality and background more so than it was looking at them through the immediacy of here's how I'm experiencing you. And so when we get into the the interactions, the the, the relationship, the conflict, the all that come to me comes down back down to that um, that personality based profile that essentially says, here's my approach, here's my genius, here are my strong points, here are my weak points, and understanding them as a person and their contribution, rather than looking at the things that are the sticking points. I want to get past all that into that, you know, that that subsurface, if you will, subcutaneous um, contribution. I think the maturity is how do we set this up not only for me individually, I've got to lead me first, but then how do we build this into our culture? And again, this has to be, it's in our best interest um, to make sure that we build this broad-based coalition rather than the narrowed thinking in, a, in an organization. I just think it's such a key piece. To me, that's the maturity is knowing what we need versus doing what we want. Mm. Well, it's something I think we can dig in a little bit deeper even in the next episode. Uh, but before we do that, Chris, any final thoughts to kind of wrap up this portion of uh, really fresh thinking on diversity and, and thinking and learning how to appreciate diversity? Anything you want to leave our listeners with on that? Yeah, you know, today has really been about, you know, some of the ramblings of my heart around a keynote that I'm going to do to help an organization um, embrace diversity because as we're squeezed and we're maximized for impact um, from a budgetary standpoint, uh, do more with less type piece, that we have to elevate the points of effectiveness and having this broad-based perspective and having this um, diversity and inclusion, uh, again, you know, more so in an elevated sense of inclusion of the, the right people in the room, inclusion of thoughts and ideas, um, diversity of perspectives and and backgrounds and those things. This is to me one of the one of the key elements to effectiveness of an organization. Rather than just checking a box, elevate this. Look at this as a mountaintop type experience to achieve the pinnacle of performance through the the diversity, the the enhanced lens and the enhanced effect, effectiveness of different people. Be open. Be open to the conversations that need to occur. And and again. Have that willingness, that vulnerability, that transparency to say, if you ever question that that a decision might be based on a prejudice or a bias or anything like that, you know, let's talk it out and and challenge the points where it feels like favoritism or it feels prejudicial instead of feeling like um, best player, most inclusive wins on the team. Well, we uh, there's certainly a lot more we could cover here, and I'm sure we will cover some of that. But we want to thank you for joining us on this episode, um, whether it is your first one or your 10th episode or maybe your 20th. 
Uh, we've got now more than 40 episodes uh, as part of the Influence Leadership Podcast. And so I want to encourage you to go back and check out some of those previous episodes, subscribe to the podcast and whatever player that you're using, certainly rate it. And, uh, you know, if this is something, especially today, the topic that we've been uh, talking about on diversity, you know, and this might be something you or your organization wants to work with Chris on. You, you heard him say he's working with clients right now doing keynote uh, uh, presentations, as well as just working with clients, that might be something that really is uh, something you want to invest in as part of your organization. We encourage you to reach out to us. You can go to the website, influenceleadership.com. Uh, all of our contact info is there, and there's also a lot of great samples and examples of Chris's work and what he does for clients. Um, and definitely connect with us on social, on Facebook, etc. If there's a topic you want to hear us cover here on the podcast, uh, we would certainly love to hear from you on that. Uh, Chris, I'm, you kind of gave a final word already, but we always end with a final word. So I don't want to break that. Any other final <laughs> words before we move on? You know, again, the final word is around creating the right culture and the right team and just stripping away the biases to look for the effectiveness. Um, you know, there's there's nothing more elevatory, if you will. There's nothing higher than team effectiveness, organizational effectiveness. And to me, that comes into this broad-based coalition, building the right team. And and again, every player, if we go back to anything that we've talked about, um, whether it's the Iditarod example or um, whether it's the example of the, the uh, inspired example that we put together, all of this needs to be intentional. Every player has a different purpose and a different role, different strengths, different weaknesses. You know, let's go out and put the best, best um, group, best team on the field. And then based on those, those experiences, let's go achieve something great. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Influence Leadership Podcast.